I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. You know, anytime a person tells a story, there's always a question that arises. Uh, where should I begin? Right? Anytime you're about to tell a story, where should you begin? Right? And this is important because even though a story might have a main point, uh, a vital moment, where the story begins well, sets up that whole thing. Where, where the story starts sets the whole story up. And you know, I, I love Lord of the Rings, so I, I'm going to use that as an example here. All right, so just bear with me. Uh, technically, if all that you know of Lord of the Rings is the part of the story where Frodo and Sam make their way up to Mount Doom, wrestle with Gollum, and destroy the ring by casting it down into the fire, uh, technically that's enough. Right? You, you, have, you have heard the story. I mean, that's the vital moment of the story. Evil is destroyed, or as Sam puts it later, that's the moment when everything sad begins to come untrue. And if that's all that you know, then you know the gist of the story. They destroyed this ring. But, you know, what if you back up to before that moment? You back up to the fellowship of the ring, right? The, the formation of this group of people where Sam and Frodo and their fellow hobbits, Merry and Pippin, join in with Gandalf and Aragorn and Legolas and, and Gimli and Boromir, right? And they all set off together toward Mount Doom. They, they begin this adventure. And backing up to there, well, the story becomes quite fuller, a good bit deeper, because it's not just a matter of what happened, the ring got destroyed, but, but it's also a matter of who did this, right? All these characters and their relationships and, and how they formed and all of that, right? The story gets deeper. But, you know, if you actually open up to the first page of The Lord of the Rings, you're not amidst the fellowship, uh, you're not on Mount Doom, you're in the Shire, Right? The, the, the beautiful home of the hobbits, where everything is perfect and, and at peace. And if you start the story here, well, then it becomes even deeper, even more full. Because it's not just the plot and the characters, but the full setting that all of this emerges from. You have the context of the whole story, and, and the Shire is this perfect juxtaposition, lush and peaceful beauty next to that dark, desperate top of Mount Doom, right? And, and, and the story becomes a whole journey. And so if you want to know the gist of a story, you can focus on one vital moment. But if you really want to know the depth of the fullness of the story, well, then you need to back up. You need to see the whole thing. And the same thing is true of Jesus' story. The vital moment of Jesus' story is the cross and the resurrection, right? And if that is all that you know, well, then you know it. 
You know the story. That's the Mount Doom moment. The, the moment where everything sad begins to come untrue. But, you know, you, you can back up a little bit. and get a little bit more of the story. You can look at Jesus' life and his ministry where, just like the fellowship of the ring, he brings together a community of disciples who journey together on the way toward that moment of the cross and the resurrection. But, if you want an even fuller, even deeper context of the story, well, then you can back up all the way to Jesus' birth. And this is what the Apostles' Creed does. We've been looking at the last several weeks. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And this is important Backing up to this part of the story matters because by looking at the whole story of Jesus, we can see how God redeems the whole story of humanity. By looking at the whole story of Jesus, we can see that God redeems the whole story of humanity. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 is where we'll be reading this morning. We'll be starting in verse 26. In a moment, I'll give you a chance to turn there. Uh, I love Luke. Uh, the gospel of Luke is, is great. And, and I love Luke because he didn't settle for the gist of the story. Right? He wanted to go deeper. He wanted to see the whole thing. And he, he outlines this right at the beginning. At the very beginning of Luke's gospel, he explains that he investigated and interviewed eyewitnesses about all that had happened. And, and what follows in the gospel of Luke is not only a, a detailed story of Jesus' death and resurrection, uh, but, but also his life and ministry and even the story of Jesus' birth. And, and many scholars believe that Luke's eyewitness source for this account may very well have been Mary herself, who he interviewed and talked to. He later on writes that Mary treasured all these things in her heart. And so let's read it together here. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee, called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now, your relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who is said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word uh, and for the story of Jesus who redeems all of us and our story. I pray that as we consider the words of your scripture this morning, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So looking at the whole story of Jesus shows us how God redeems the whole story of humanity. Uh, One way to put it is this. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned the fact that we're constantly seeing all of these movie remakes, right? Uh, Over and over again. You know, whatever movie is playing at the box office was probably playing at the box office 40 years ago. Just a different version of the movie, right? And a lot of times the remake is not nearly as good or, or classic as the original. But every now and then, a remake is actually much better than the original, Now, I don't have an example for you, and if I gave it, we'd probably all disagree on it. So it's beside the point. But the point is this. As we think about these movie remakes, when Jesus comes to earth, his story is not just a much better remake of the human story. Jesus' life is the perfect remake of the human story. Jesus is the the much better, the perfect cinematic remake. Uh, It's it's actually what the original was supposed to be. And that's that's what we see as we look at Jesus' story. You know, apart from the Bible, one of the most important explanations of the meaning of Jesus' life comes from a guy named Irenaeus, who lived in the second century. And this is actually the example that he uses, of of not movie remakes, of course, but God retelling and perfecting the human story in the life of Jesus. This is what he describes. This is what he says happened in the life of Jesus. He, He wrote that God recapitulated, in other words, retold, restated in himself the ancient formation of humankind, that he might kill sin, deprive death of its power, and bring life to humanity. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who did through his transcendent love become what we are, human, that he might bring us to be even what he is himself, holy. God became human like us so that we might be made holy like God. It's the story of the gospel. 
that Jesus comes and is the perfect remake, the, the better version of the human story, and he draws us in to that story. And so that's what I want to look at together today. How does the beginning of this story begin to tell us the way that God redeems the whole story? He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Well, let's talk about that. The virgin birth. Uh, the first thing I want to say is, is the virgin birth echoes and outdoes a really great theme that we see throughout the story of Israel. And that's this theme of the miraculous birth. Uh, from the call of Abraham on, Miraculous birth stories are front and center in the story of Israel. Uh, you know, God promises descendants to Abraham and to Sarah. But as they get older and older, they get discouraged. They're like, there's no hope. You know, what, what, what is this? He said we were going to have children. We were, he was going to make us into a great nation. What, what do we do? Sarah even laughs at the thought of giving birth. But then a miracle takes place, and they eventually conceive and give birth to a son named Isaac. And then later on in the biblical story in the era of the judges, there's another miraculous birth story as a barren woman and her husband are visited by an angel. And they give birth to Samson, right? one of these strong and mighty judges. Uh, legendary characters of scripture. Uh, and then, a little bit later in the story, just as the time of kings is about to come onto the scene, 1 Samuel 1, there's the story of Hannah, who also is a barren woman, and she is pouring out her heart to God in prayer, asking for a child, and God sees her. And miraculously, she and her husband give birth to Samuel who will be this great prophet, the one to anoint the first kings of, the, store, of the, the nation of Israel. And these stories of miraculous births run deep in the biblical narrative, the whole history of Israel, so much so that in Isaiah, uh, we see this image used to actually speak of Israel's deliverance out of exile. He says, sing, O barren one who did not bear. Burst into song and shout, you who have not been in labor, for the children of the desolate woman will be more than the children of her that is married. Right? And so this, the, this prophetic uh, word speaks that in exile, Israel is like a barren woman, but there is coming a day. When she will give birth and there will be singing and rejoicing, right? This image runs deep in the story of Israel. So all of these themes come together in the story of Mary, right? But the virgin birth does not only echo these other miraculous birth stories, it far outdoes them, right? Because this is not just an improbable story of an elderly or barren woman giving birth. This is an impossible story of a virgin woman giving birth. This shows the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, and it sets the stage for all the new things that God is about to do in and through the life of Jesus. 
There's a dean from our uh, graduate school, the graduate school that Caitlin and I went to, who uh, would pray and he would end his prayers like this. At the end of his prayers, he would say, in the name of the Father who so loved the world and the Son who lived, died, and rose again that we might have life and the name of the Spirit who births life in impossible places. Amen. I love that. The Spirit who births life in impossible places. See, the story of the virgin birth is not just an improbable story. It's an impossible story that only God can make happen. This is what the Spirit does here. Something impossible and the virgin womb and Jesus' birth. This is what the Spirit does throughout Jesus' ministry. As the sick are made well. As the disciples are empowered and, and sent out. This is what will ultimately happen when resurrection bursts forth from the tomb. Right? Talk about impossible. This is what the Spirit does. And this is what still happens today in the midst of hopeless places where we just can't see any light, any hope. A spirit births life in impossible places. In the story of Jesus, God redeems the story of humanity and makes impossible things possible. That's precisely what the angel says to Mary, for nothing will be impossible with God. And this not only echoes, but it actually outdoes the story of Israel, and it sets the stage for all the incredible things that are to come. And so it, it connects to the story of Israel, but the virgin birth actually goes back even farther than that. Not only to redeem the story of Israel, but to redeem the very beginning of creation itself. You know, we read a few weeks ago in Genesis 1, God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so in creation, God makes humanity, both male and female. And then in Genesis 3, when, when everything falls apart, whenever humanity sins, right, the story that we read in Genesis 3 shows Eve front and center, but very shortly we learn that Adam was there all along, standing by. You know, she, she turns to him and, and offers the food, and, and they, everything comes apart. You see, male and female is, is both responsible for the brokenness of the world. And in the virgin birth, it is both male and female that bring redemption into the world. Right? It was through one man and one woman that sin entered the world and everything fell apart. And through the virgin birth, it is one woman and one man that bring redemption into the world. You know, there's not two men. It's not a father, a mother, and then Jesus. It's only one woman 
and only one man, right? And this emphasizes the equality of male and female before God in creation and in redemption, right? This is the only way that, that God could redeem the world through both male and female, a virgin birth. I, I love this. This is something that some of the early church theologians emphasized, that, that both male and female play a crucial and essential role in the work of redemption. And we see that on display here through Mary and through Jesus. Mary the woman, Jesus the man. And so a, a lot of thought has come from this over the centuries and uh, saying that this story of, of Mary and the virgin birth and then later the life of Jesus connects very much to Adam and Eve, the first humans who there were. You know, in, in Genesis 3, when everything fell apart, God speaks to the, the serpent. And, and what he says to, to the serpent is, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head, but you will strike his heel. This is the very first word of good news, word of the gospel, that the serpent will ultimately be destroyed by the child of the woman. And we see that happen in the virgin birth. Jesus is that child who will crush the head of the evil one, who will crush the head of the serpent. Uh, Irenaeus, who I mentioned earlier, wrote this about the virgin birth. Concerning this birth, he writes, Eve was led astray by the word of some kind of divine being so that she fled from God when she transgressed his word, disobeyed. But so did Mary, by the communication of a divine being, receive good news that she should sustain God, give birth to God himself, being obedient to his word. See these connections. God is redeeming the whole story all the way back to Eve. There's this incredible image um, that is, uh, depicts this, that, that was created several years ago. It's called the Consolation of Eve. Look at this. Isn't that moving? There's Eve holding the apple or fruit in one hand. But in the other hand, Mary says, look, this promise is coming true. This redemption is unfolding. And look at their feet. Eve is entangled in the serpent, but Mary is stepping right on the head of that serpent, right? With the virgin birth, the gospel breaks forth into the world. The whole story begins to be redeemed. Everything sad begins to become untrue. This is beautiful and moving. And so we see this with Eve, right? Eve uh, is th this echo and, and connection, but not only echo, actually outdoing what we see in the creation story. But then 
as Jesus is born, God continues to echo and outdo the story in Jesus' life. And, and, and so there are all these ways that Jesus' own life uh, echoes and outdoes the story of Israel and the story of all things, right? And so at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, after his birth, he is baptized in uh, the River Jordan, you know, and, and enters into his ministry. And this is just the same way it echoes the story of Israel as they more or less are baptized, going through the Red Sea on dry ground, entering the promised land. And then they enter the wilderness where they're there for, for 40 years. But right after Jesus' baptism, he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. Then, as Jesus continues his ministry, he gathers up 12 disciples, just like Israel had 12 tribes. On and on it goes. The life of Jesus not only echoes, but outdoes the story of Israel. And every place that Israel was faithless, Jesus is faithful. We see this throughout his life. And it goes back not just, again, to Israel, but all the way back to Adam. And this is something that Paul points out in, in Romans chapter 5. Uh, he, he points out, he says, If because of the one man, Adam's, trespass, death exercised dominion through the one, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus. Right? So just as one man's trespass, Adam, led to the condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness, Jesus, leads to justification and life for all. Just as by the one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Right? Paul connects the dots here between creation and redemption, between Adam and Jesus. Right? Jesus is the second Adam. He's the remake. He's the better story that redeems the whole story. And, and this is true throughout all of Jesus' life. He, he truly is born. He truly becomes human. Remember, he becomes like us so that we might be made like him. And Irenaeus, again, connects these dots here and says that it's important that Jesus didn't just descend down out of the heavens one day, but truly was born and truly grew up uh, and, and passed through all the ages. He, he makes a point, you know, Jesus was about 30, but in that day, that would have been fairly elderly to some degree. You know, he would be a full, full-on adult, not just a kid at that point. And Irenaeus points out that Jesus came to save all through means of himself, Infants and children, young and old. He therefore passed through every age. He was born as an infant for infants, thus sanctifying infants. And he lived as a child for children, thus sanctifying children. And he grew to be a man for men, for adults thus sanctifying every age. 
right? Jesus passes through the, the experience, the full human experience, bringing redemption to the whole story. And so Jesus' life is a part of this redemption too. The cross is the, the vital moment, the essential moment, but his birth and his life are part of that too. In Hebrews, he writes, we have a high priest who is tempted in every way just as we are. He knows what it is to be human. He redeems the whole story of humanity, birth and life and death. But we get to that next week. And so for now, I want to sit in this. What does it mean that God became human to be with us? to redeem us. What does this mean? And, you know, we can talk about all this theological talk and reference someone from the second century, but I started with the story of Lord of the Rings. I want to end with another story that I think illustrates this beautifully. Uh, what it means for, for God to be chasing us. He becomes like we are so that me, we might become like him. Uh, Caitlin is going to pull it up here for us on the screen. It's a story that many of you are, are probably familiar with. Uh, maybe you've read it uh, to your kids. Maybe uh, it was read to you when you were a kid. The Runaway Bunny. It's a beautiful story. And I just want to read it because it shows what it is for God to chase after us and become like us so that we might be redeemed. And so, I'm going to turn, turn the page here. Once, oh man, that's, I'm going to turn around because I can see this much better than over there. Once there was a little bunny who wanted to run away. So he said to his mother, I'm running away. Well, if you run away, said his mother, I will run after you, for you are my little bunny. Well, if you run after me, said the little bunny, I will become a fish and a trout stream, and I will swim away from you. If you become a fish and a trout stream, said his mother, I will become a fisherman and will fish for you. Well, if you become a fisherman, said the little bunny, I will become a rock on the mountain high above you. If you become a rock on the mountain high above me, said his mother, I will be a mountain climber and I will climb to where you are. If you become a mountain climber, said the little bunny, I will be a crocus in a hidden garden. If you become a crocus in a hidden garden, said his mother, I will be a gardener and I will find you. If you are a gardener and find me, said the little bunny, I will be a bird and fly away from you. If you become a bird and fly away from me, said his mother, I will be a tree that you come home to. If you become a tree, said the little bunny, I will become a little sailboat and I will sail away from you. If you become a sailboat and sail away from me, said his mother, 
I will become the wind and blow you where I want you to go. If you become a wind and blow me, said the little bunny, I will join a circus and fly away on a flying trapeze. If you go flying on a flying trapeze, said his mother, I will be a tightrope walker and I will walk across the air to you. If you become a tightrope walker and walk across the air, said the bunny, I will become a little boy and run into a house. If you become a little boy and run into a house, said the mother bunny, I will become your mother and catch you in my arms and hug you. Shucks, said the bunny. I might just as well stay where I am and be your little bunny. And so he did. Have a carrot, said the mother bunny. Isn't that beautiful? This is what God has done for us in Jesus. It was male and female that sinned. And so through the virgin birth, through male and female, God brings life. It is creation that fell. And so God entered creation in order to redeem it. It was humanity that sinned. And so God became human that he might save us. This is the good news. By looking at the story of Jesus, we can see that God redeems the whole story of humanity. And so I don't know where, where you are today, but wherever you are, Jesus has been there. Jesus took on flesh lived on this earth. And he reaches out to us still. And the Spirit who births life in impossible places can do that still. Whatever impossible places there are, and boy, this last year, are there a lot of them. The Spirit can bring life. Nothing is hopeless for nothing is impossible with God. And so let us rest in this. May God continue to bring life to the impossible places of our lives. Amen.